It is not a typo in your bulletin. We are going to, for a second week, look at the same section of Scripture, Matthew 1, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. That's because as we look in our series on the names of Jesus, uh, last week we looked at the name of Jesus, what that means. Today we look at Emmanuel, and both of those are found in our text in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. So I begin reading with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When, he was, when his mother Mary had, betro- had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she, found, uh, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our minds to the meaning of the sign of Emmanuel among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 2002, Avril Lavigne released her debut album, and in that album she had a song entitled, I'm With You, and it goes like this, I'm waiting in the dark, I thought that you'd be here by now, there's nothing but the rain, no footsteps on the ground, I'm listening, but there's no sound, isn't anyone trying to find me? I'm looking for a place, I'm searching for a face, is anybody here I know? Because nothing's going right and everything's a mess and no one likes to be alone. Why is everything so confusing? Maybe I'm just out of my mind. It's a cold night trying to figure out this life. Won't you take me by the hands? Take me somewhere new. I don't know who you are, but I'm with you. I'm with you. The question asked, is there somebody with us? Is there somebody alongside us? Is there somebody helping us? Is there somebody encouraging us? And our question today is, God with us? Is God with us? And many people uh, who are believers in Jesus Christ actually struggle uh, with that on that level. Is God with me? Is he really with me? Or am I alone? As I pray, It's not so much a matter of, does God hear me so he can give me all the things I want? But is he actually listening? Does he actually care about me? Today, as we look at the name of Jesus, we look at the name Emmanuel. Emmanuel here in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 is the first reference in the New Testament to an Old Testament prophecy regarding Jesus Christ. And it comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, in no uncertain terms, what Matthew is doing here is he is presenting us with the virgin birth of Jesus Christ 
and unmistakably that Jesus is God. He's truly God and truly man. And we could spend the rest of the sermon easily just talking about that and ways in which the Bible presents Jesus is God. Today, we're going to talk about that, but we're going to focus more specifically and explicitly on what it means that God is with us, that Emmanuel is with us. You see, the birth of Emmanuel, as foretold in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, is that Emmanuel was a sign. It was a sign of something. Now, the most... Googled word in 2022 was Wordle. Now, some of, you, some of you do Wordle, you play Wordle, it's a word game. I don't do it, I don't really know what it's about, but people are interested in words. And so I don't know how interested you are in words, but we're going to do a little bit of a deep, deep dive on the word Emmanuel here uh, today. And what we find is this word, uh, actually the word in the New Testament is just a transliteration of the Hebrew word. Remember last week we talked about uh, Jesus, the name Jesus. Jesus is a Greek term, and then the Hebrew term for that is Joshua. You know, two different words. Not so with Emmanuel. Emmanuel is just the transliteration of the Hebrew lettering, the wording, uh, that we find here. In fact... Again, to go a little bit deeper, those of you know that the Old Testament is translated into Greek, the Septuagint also does the same thing. It doesn't give it a separate Greek word. Isaiah 7.14 is translated Emmanuel as a name, the name Emmanuel. The word is a compound word. It's a compound term. And we have compound words in English. The, The Germans are famous for just splicing terms together, right? You know, they take one word and another word and they put it together. Some of you remember, if you can remember back to 1990, some of you weren't even alive. But uh, 1990, there was a famous Volkswagen commercial and it talked about Farfagnugan. I think I said that right, Farfagnugan. And that means what? It meant fun to drive, okay? Two different German words they just put together, fun to drive. So Emmanuel operates in the same way. Emmanuel is actually with us, and El is God, short for Elohim. Emmanuel, God with us. And we find that the only place, at least that I can find it, in the entire Old Testament where this compound term is put together in this way is the book of Isaiah in Isaiah 7, 14, and twice in Isaiah chapter 8. Now, again, I said uh, the immediate context of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, is Emmanuel was a sign. You see, in that day, the Israelites were getting beat up once again, and Ahaz the king was wavering in his trust in God, and so Isaiah said, ask for a sign, and, and Ahaz didn't do it. And so he said, I'll give you a sign. God will give you a sign. And he says this, therefore, the Lord will give himself, will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I think it was several years ago. I did a, I did a deep dive on that uh, verse and talked about the fact that the word translated virgin in our Bibles in the Hebrew has a range of meaning. It can be young maiden. It can be virgin. 
we get to the New Testament, it's most definitely correct in its translation, virgin. And my point is this. There was a near fulfillment of the prophecy in the time of Ahaz. He said, you're going to see something. This child is going to be born. And when that child is born, it'll be a sign that God is with you and you're going to defeat your enemy. And so he goes on to say this in Isaiah 8, 3 and 4. And I went to the prophetess and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, call his name Mahar Shalal Hashbaz. So before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Those enemies will be defeated. And he had said in context, the Lord will give you a sign. He shall eat curds and honey. And when he knows how to refuse the evil and uh, and and uh, when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good for before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land of those two kings you dread will be deserted. Right? King Ahaz, there's a sign, the sign Emmanuel, God with us. But then we go to chapter 9, the next chapter in Isaiah. And it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is not talking about the prophetess's uh, son. This is talking about one that would come. And he would be God with us in the, to the nth degree. And so we go back to Matthew chapter 123. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in no uncertain terms, Matthew is referring back to Isaiah and saying this is a miraculous virgin birth. Uh, we have that at the beginning. Joseph did not know Mary. And he was going to divorce her because of her pregnancy. And then at the very end, after the encounter in Matthew 125, he did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son. And so in the immediate context of Isaiah's day, what is the meaning? What was the sign meant to be? It was, you are going to defeat your enemies. So here's the other two times that the word Emmanuel Those two words come together in just that way in the Hebrew language. This is Isaiah chapter 8, verse 8. And it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land. O Emmanuel, be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing Speak a word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. It's the same word, the same two terms coming together. God is with us. You go ahead and come into our land, you are not going to succeed. Israel is going to defeat you. Why? Because of Emmanuel, God with us. The birth of the Son is a sign of Emmanuel. Now, Even though those two words are not linked together in this exact same way in the rest of Scripture, those two words are all throughout the Old Testament. This concept of God being with us 
is all throughout the Old Testament. And so let's take a little time and look at how God with us, what that means in the Old Testament. Help us understand what it means for us today. So God is with us means God will prosper your plans. God will prosper your life. Genesis 1, 21, 22, uh, this is spoken of Abraham. Philcol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. He saw that God blessed Abraham, made his plans successful. You have Jacob, Genesis 28, 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if the Lord God will be with me and will guard me throughout my journey on which I am going and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And you have the patriarch Isaac. Isaac was in the land of Israel. He was in a, he was in a tough situation. And so God comes to him, and the Lord appeared to him, Genesis 26, 24. He said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not. Why? For I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for the sake of my servant Abraham. The words in the Bible spoken, God is with you or I am with you, are spoken oftentimes at difficult times. And perhaps a a time of a difficult calling. God has a difficult calling on somebody's life. And it doesn't mean if God is with you that your life will be smooth sailing without any problems. Again, of Jacob in Genesis chapter 35, 3. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So he has been through distress, and God has been with him. And then we have the patriarch Isaac in Egypt. At the end of his life, he's speaking to Joseph. The children of Israel are now completely in the land of Egypt. Genesis 48, 21. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moses had a very difficult calling to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And God met with Moses at the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, 12, he said, but I am with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And oftentimes God will declare that he is with us at the time of a leadership transition. Moses, before the baton is passed to Joshua, says this to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, 6. And the Lord himself said to Joshua, as he was now the leader, preparing to take the land of Israel. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. Then the people chime in this way. In Joshua 1, 17, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you 
Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Yeah, we're going to follow you, but we sure hope that God is going to be with you like he was with Moses. God is with us in a time of opposition. As we've talked about a time of war as the people have faced opposition and war. And he's, he states that he's with us as an encouragement. Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Now, keep in mind, this isn't talking about just any old nation. This is the nation of the people of God via Israel in the Old Testament. So it's a unique relationship that God had with them as a people and as a nation. And then we find a little farther in the book of Judges. We covered the book of Judges a couple of years ago. Things go from bad to worse, right, in the book of Judges. And I think this is very instructive how this term, God with us, is used in the Old Testament. So we have this scene where God, where an angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Orpha, and, which belongs to Joash, the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, please, my Lord, he was being... Very polite, but he was saying, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? If he's with us, why are we getting the cookies beat out of us? And where are all these wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. It's the opposite of being with you, forsaking you. He's given us into the hands of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I'll be with you. You're going to succeed. You know, I'm reminded of the movie The Wizard of Oz. You know, The Wizard of Oz, you have various characters. You had the song about that. Oz never did give nothing to the tin man that he didn't already own. Some of you know that song, right? And so Oz never did give nothing to the lion uh, that he didn't already have. The lion was the what lion? The cowardly lion, right? And so Oz comes out and says, you know, you've got courage. You've got courage. Why? Because he didn't give him anything. It was just He stood up for himself. He believed in himself. He was, right? And so is that how it works? God just kind of, I'm with you. He just kind of, you know, kind of picks you up a little bit. It's just kind of a, you know, power of positive thinking. Uh Uh-uh. God is either with us for success or he is not with us. And you've got this this account. Uh, We fast forward to Josiah, uh, good King Josiah. And in this instance, good King Josiah wasn't so good. And we actually have an account where the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, is talking to Josiah and saying to him, buddy, uh, don't pick this fight. This is, I'm not against you. This is not your fight. 
He says, but he sent envoys to him saying, what have we to do with each other, O king of Judah? I am not coming against you this day, but against the house which, with which I am at war. And God has commanded me to hurry, cease opposing God, who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah did not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God, but came to fight in the plain of Megiddo. And what happened to Josiah? He was killed by a random arrow that struck him. And so either God is with us or God is not with us. And we have the birth of Jesus, the sign of Emmanuel. The birth of the Son is a sign that God is with us. He is with us to the nth degree, first because he is God with us. He's actually God. He's God in the flesh, present with us. We read in Matthew 1.20, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. An angel of the Lord also came to Jesus' mother before he was born in Luke 135, as it's recorded, an angel of the Lord answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most holy, most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be called holy, the son of God. And the gospel of John records in the beginning was the word, meaning Jesus Christ. And the word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. He's both God and man. He's God in the flesh. God with us. And that's wonderful. That's momentous. There's not a more momentous birth. In all of history. But what does that mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? That God is with us. That the Emmanuel sign has come. In the form of a son. That was born to you. And to me. Well, first, that Jesus is God with us by saving his people from their sins. I'm not going to rehash last week's sermon. If you have not heard it, I'd encourage you to, to listen to it or view it online. We talked about Jesus in the name of Jesus. And Jesus and Emmanuel come together here in this text, right? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means God is Savior. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us first and foremost to save us from our sins. We need to be saved from our sins. The wages of sin is death. Our sins have separated us from God. We deserve hell. We deserve God's judgment. We deserve God's wrath. That's what the Bible says. We deserve these things. But God, in his great love, has come. Emmanuel, God with us. Why? God didn't have anything better to do? He's just going to take on a human body, human soul? No, it was for a very important purpose. To meet our most desperate need to have our sins forgiven, and to be restored in relationship with God for all eternity. And so Jesus came. He lived that life that you and I could not live perfectly. 
committed no sin. He died as a penalty on the cross for you and me in our place. And if we trust in Jesus, our substitute, and confess our sins, then we receive forgiveness of sins, eternal life, eternal relationship with God. Jesus said this, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that's your greatest need? You know, you might say, well, it would be so much more evident. You know, couldn't God make that more evident to me that this is my greatest need? And, and God does. There, God will do that. If he hasn't done that to you uh, up until now, that's how God works. All of a sudden, you realize your eyes are open. I need a Savior to save me from my sins. But even in the physical world, as a pastor, I have seen that in, uh, I wouldn't say many, many, many occasions, but several occasions where I've seen people who are uh, advanced in age and they um, will not receive help. They need help. They can't take care of themselves. They're physically declining. And if they do not receive help from others, they will die. And yet they don't see it. And in the same way, we all, our most desperate need is for a Savior to save us from the penalty and the reality of our sins. And so maybe today that'll happen for you. That your eyes are open, you see your need, and you place your faith in Jesus as your Savior and your substitute. God with us. But it's not just for eternity. That is the most important. But God is with you right now. Just as he was with people in the Old Testament. He is with you in your day in and day out needs. Romans 8.32 says, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he also not graciously give us all things? Right? From the greater to the lesser. These given you his own son, the most precious thing of all, what else will he not give you? He'll take care of your needs in any way. So how does he take care of us? How is he God with us? When you look at Jesus, what is he a sign of? Well, he's with us in our calling, just as he was with members of the Old Testament community in their calling. In Matthew chapter 28, 18, this is sometimes called the Great Commission, right? It's our calling. What did he say about our calling? And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God gives us various callings in this life. You're called to be a man or a woman or a husband or a wife or a parent or a child. You're called to a particular vocation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we find the Apostle Paul saying, even those who are slaves, uh, their status did did not deprive them of being called by God. 
Some of you are called to be leaders in the church. Some of you are called to be elders or deacons. God is with this church in transition. Remember how I talked about the fact that God is with us, particularly in times of leadership transition. We should pray that that would be so, that God would be with us, First Presbyterian Church, in leadership transition. And that you and I would say, I am willing, God, I am willing, whatever your calling is in my life, only be with me. If you're not willing to be with me, then don't call me to do this, but I'm willing. He is with us in our battles, okay? What shall we say to these things? Romans eight thirty one. if God is for us, who can be against us? Ha! A lot of people can be against us, right? <laughs> a lot of people can, but just like Jesus said, if you believe in me, you shall never die. Ha! I'm gonna die, right? Death and taxes, the only certain things, unless Jesus Christ returns. Well, he was saying this, that in a way it counts the most, you're not going to die. You're going to live forever. And in the same way, if God is for you, what does it matter who is against you? You will ultimately prevail. Romans 16.20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Under your feet. How so? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He's with you. He will crush Satan under your feet. God gives us the armor. You know, it's controversial, you know, the right to bear arms. There's a lot of discussion about that. You know, the the Bible not only says that you have the right uh, to bear spiritual arms, you're required to. All of you must carry uh, in spiritual warfare. He says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. I don't have time to talk about the armor of God, but there is the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. Because we're to stand. We're to stand against the evil one, against the, the wiles of the devil. We know that there is a spiritual entity. We're not just physical. The universe, the reality is not just physical. It is also spiritual, and there is spiritual opposition. So Jesus is God with us to the nth degree. And Jesus is with us by his spirit. The spirit of God is with you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it is because the spirit of God is in you and with you. And so when it comes to the term God with you, um, it's not a throwaway phrase. Again, it's all throughout the Bible, including the New Testament, you know, kind of. We, we sort of think of it in a sort of a sappy way, you know, maybe something that you put a needlepoint on your wall, God with you. Isn't that nice? Isn't that comforting? God with you is gritty. God with you is earthy. I mean, it is, it is powerful. It is a powerful reality. So in Romans fifteen thirty three, where it says, may the God of peace be with you all. It's not a throwaway phrase. 
Or in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Or in Philippians 4, 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you all. It's the ultimate blessing, God with us. You know, I was talking to somebody recently about um, the experience that some have had taking their boats out into the Gulf of Mexico here locally. And, and some folks will take their boats out and they'll be lost for days or some be lost without a trace. And uh, it reminded me of uh, an encounter, an event that I had years ago when I worked at, at a church down in Central Florida. And we had a Bible conference uh, like we've had in our church. We brought in a speaker. And so we decided to take him out for the day and, uh, and, and he would fish, you know, we'd go fishing. And so we went out into the Gulf and uh, one of those storms came up and it was, it was horrendous. We could see it moving in and so we quickly uh, tried to head for shore, but the storm caught us first. And it was, the only way I could describe it was like a scene out of the opening of Gilligan's Island, you know, the, the little ship was tossed, if not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. You know, I mean, it was, it was horrendous. I mean, there was lightning crashing down and 10 foot waves and, and it was, it was bad. Um, and the, and the pastor that was with me told me later, he thought we were going to die. He really thought we were going to die. I did not think we were going to die. And the reason was because I was observing the captain and the captain knew what he was doing. He was, he was going over the waves in the right way. You know, there's never a point at which we were being swamped or we were tipping to one side. He, he knew what he was doing. The captain was with us, and he knew what he was doing. And to the nth degree, degree, we have someone who is with us, who is mighty to save, and that's encouraging. But it's also encouraging just to know God is with us, right? We're not alone. And I think back to my own experience growing up, uh, my father... Um, he never missed a track event. He never missed a cross-country event. He never missed any athletic event, uh, even when I was pathetic in, in basketball. He never missed any of that. He, he sat through countless, countless um, uh, children's musical productions, right? Um, and later in life, my dad said to me, as I was going to be a dad myself, he said, now understand, son, you may not be able to do this with your kids, he had his own business. He was able to do that because he, he could set his own schedule. And yet looking back, uh, he, uh, it, it took sacrifice for him to do that. He was committed to being with his children. And so we have a God in the same way to answer Avril Levine. Is there anybody with us? Yes. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God is with you. He is with you. And he is with you in a way to meet your deepest needs. And so let us go to him. Let us trust in him. Let us pray to him. What is the final encouragement in all of the Bible? Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us.
Let's pray. Father, the word grateful doesn't even begin to express how we feel about Emmanuel. How we feel about Jesus, his coming, being with us, uh, what all that means to us. And I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to see our need for Emmanuel if we've never had. And for all of us, as we struggle as we struggle in this world, as we go through difficulties, as we have difficulties in our calling, as we have difficulties in life, as we have opportunities ahead of us, may we call on you, may we trust in you, may we follow you, uh, that you would be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.